Two skeletons are hanging in the corner of a closet. They're complaining about the heat, the dust, and the boredom. What are we staying here for anyhow, one asked. I don't know, the second skeleton answers. I'd leave here in a minute if I had any guts. <laughs> While complaining isn't always music to our ears, it does serve a purpose. Most changes begin with complaints. We complain when we perceive a gap between what is and what we would like to be. You're at a restaurant, you get your coffee, it's lukewarm. You say to your server, may I have some hot coffee, please? And she or he goes back and brings you a fresh cup. You saw the gap between what was, what, or what was and what you wanted, and then the problem was solved. Well, that was an easy one. Exodus is a whole book about God responding to the complaints of God's people. Early in the book, chapter 3, the Lord says to Moses at that burning bush, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. Their complaining initiates a change. Now, we read from chapter 17 today, but in 16, the previous chapter, the people were complaining to Moses about not having the delicious food they had while they were back in Egypt. So God began providing food for them. They called it manna. It meant, what is it? It would be like us calling something thingamajig, you know, that we were eating. So I wondered, maybe manna was high in sodium, I don't know, but now they want water. And they turn again on Moses. To whom do you complain? And why? Which gaps bother you the most? Now at our house, I complain about the plumbing. Because I can be in the shower, the nice warm shower, and somebody else flushes in another part of the house, and I'm scalded unless I get out and hear it in advance. So someday, either if we get a great amount on our tax checks, or if we save enough money, we'll call a plumber, and we'll get our pipes fixed and whatever else. We'll make that change. But right now, we just complain about the gap between what is and what could be. So what are your complaints? Are you too hot, too cold? Is city council doing too much or too little? Is the preacher too boring or overly interesting? The question that challenges us from this section of the text is, will we simply complain or will we try to close the gap between what is and what could be? The Hebrew people have rocks at hand when they say, Moses, we, our children, our livestock, 
are dying of thirst. Well, the first thing Moses does is throw the complaint back at them. Why are you blaming me? And then he kind of tosses in a guilt trip. Are you putting the Lord to the test? At first, here's Moses trying to deal with the problem himself. But when he gets nowhere, he blurts out his problem to God. What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Moses sees the gap between what is and what he wants there to be. Getting stoned was not high on his list of things to do before I die. And like Moses, it's often our tendency to try to deal with our own problems first. Now, sometimes that's good when the problems are simple. But when they're bigger than we are, then we need help. And I think sometimes we forget, I forget, maybe I should put it in first person, that I have a loving God who wants to help me. That I have a wise God who is waiting to guide me to my problem's solution. That I have a generous God who is longing to quench my thirst. Do you know that you have that too? When Moses cries out to the Lord, God responds immediately with specific instructions of what to do. God guides us when we ask. Now we wish it could always be just like that. But I think our our symbol here is that God is available to hear our problems and willing to provide us with our solutions. Now, perhaps we don't ask because we don't want the responsibility of doing what God wants us to do. God throws the ball back into Moses' court, so he had a choice to make. Did he want to do what God said or not? Did he want to get his walking stick, gather together some of the elders, and take a hike to the rock at, Mount, at Horeb? Or did he want to stay where he was and get rocks thrown at him? caught between a rock and a hard place, maybe? Well, he chooses the rock over the stoning, and when he follows God's instructions, where there was only dryness, water gushes forth. Back in the early 1950s, in a well-respected commentary, the writer was brazen enough to say that these verses are not meant to be read as literal history, but rather as a pictorial illustration of deeper spiritual truth. He said, God does not provide, sorry, God does not promise to give people what they want, but he does promise to satisfy abundantly those who trust in him. So how is your spirit today? Are you thirsty? Do you feel parched? And what is it within you that makes you feel this way?
Maybe like me, your spirit feels dry when you see images of children starving for love or attention or food. Maybe like me, your spirit feels parched when you read again about the death of an innocent person at the, from the wheel of a drunk driver or a college student with a gun. My spirit aches for living water for people who are thirsting for God, for people who have an empty look in their eyes. For them, it, it's like that look says, my current life is meaningless. And so they try all kinds of things. They try alcohol, they try sex, they try drugs, they try volunteer work, they try working harder. And they think, surely this will fill my tank. And yet when they get involved in these things, they find that they're still empty. They're searching. But we're not telling them that God's fountain of living water quenches not just a dry tongue, but a parched soul. Andrea Lassonde Anastos interprets the passage this way. She says, The image of water in the desert, pouring from the rock to satisfy the need of the people, is not merely an ancient miracle. It is a statement from God that God wishes us overflowing and new life out of the barrenness of our present existence. Like Moses, we have the power to uncover that miraculous spring. The only difference between Moses and the people of Israel was that Moses believed God's promise and was willing to lift his staff and strike the rock. Moses was not capable where the people were not. Moses was willing where the people were not. During the days of sailing merchant ships, one such vessel becalmed off the coast of South America. Weeks went by without the slightest movement of wind, and the ship was helpless, could not move. The sailors were dying of thirst. When another ship drifted close enough to read their frantic signs for help, and their reply from the other ship was, let down your buckets. And they did, and they found water suitable from drinking right under the keel of their ship. What they learned was that they were surrounded by the freshwater current that came from the mighty Amazon River. The answer to their problem was available. All they had to do was reach for it. The Princess Bride is kind of a cult movie, I guess. And in that, three friends are trying to save the beautiful young maiden from marrying the evil prince. But too many men guard the castle gate. The one who has just arrived says, what are our assets? What do we have that can help us? 
while the other two are empty-handed and they can think of nothing that they have that would help them break through these dozens of men at the castle gate. But then as the new guy names one thing and then another, the other two say, oh, we have that, or oh, yeah, how about this right here? He pulls it out of his pocket. So, of course, they gather their assets, they storm the castle, they frighten away the guards, and they save the beautiful maiden. Now, the point of that is that we have everything we need. God gives us everything we need. And I think that's really good for us to remember as a church that we have everything we need to be successful in God's eyes. We may feel thirsty because we don't have the people that we did 60 years ago. If you've been coming to this church a long time, you can think about where so-and-so sat and how you missed that person, or you know, over here is where this other person sat, and wow, wouldn't it be great to have that person around again? And yet others have taken their places. And we thank God for all who join us on our quest to assuage spiritual thirst. As a church, we may feel thirsty because worship doesn't fulfill all our spiritual needs. And yet we haven't sought out a smaller group of people of faith to help us deepen our spirits. There are all kinds of ways that we may feel thirsty as a congregation, but we have what we need. Now the next step, of course, after figuring out what those are would be using them, using those assets. If we let them lie fallow, we're like the, like the people in that ship who were sort of like the crew with the ancient mariner who said, water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. And yet it was right there. It was right there for them. I also like this story about G.K. Chesterton, that he and several other literary figures were asked one evening what book they would prefer to have if they were stranded on a desert island. Well, one of them said, without hesitation, the complete works of Shakespeare. Another one said, I'd choose the Bible. And they turned to Chesterton, how about you? And he said, I would choose Thomas's Guide to Practical Shipbuilding. <laughs> Practical. See your assets and use them. Now, the Hebrews asked this pertinent question, is the Lord among us or not? What do you think? Well, it's easy to say, oh yeah, God's with me. And yet, do we live as if that's the case? Or do we live as if we're depending solely on ourselves? Interpreter Anastas wrote, The water was there, contained in the reservoir of the rock. But if Moses or someone else had not been willing to do a little work, there the water would have stayed. I invite us to a moment of prayer where we can invite God to show us our assets. 
personally, as a congregation, and let God lead us to success, to the ability to take away the thirst of many who are calling for God. Living rock, let my silence break against you. Let my walled heart break against you. Let my closed mind break against you. Living water-filled rock, pour your life-giving word through my mouth. Pour your joyful love through my heart. Pour your radiant vision through my mind so that I may be a well and a fountain where the thirsty may find refreshment. Amen.